Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it is June has arrived. So somehow we are approaching halfway through 2021. How are we feeling today? I have, for whatever reason, been hyper aware of the fact that I will be 29 in July. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so I don't, it, that birthdays have never really been a thing for me. I've never really cared about aging. But for some reason, I, I think maybe because Nicholas is almost done with, has one more year of high school to go. Um, I just feel, feel old. Welcome. Not brother. in a bad way. <laughs> Welcome, my brother. <laughs> Love it. Charles is, yes, yes. Well, that's a, I mean, we're still kind of young, Eli. I mean, of we're, course we are. I mean, yes, we're very young. 20s, 30s, 40s, those are all very young. We're also just old. So it's... Old souls. <laughs> old, old souls. That is true. <laughs> Definitely old souls. That is true. Charles, how are, how are you doing this this fine, fine June, Tuesday in June? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> this fine, fine, fine Tuesday in June. Fine, fine. Um, you know, I'm doing well. As you guys know, I, uh, I'm on the older side here at the well. Um, you know, the, on the other side of 30. Um, turned 31 this year and it's showing because a couple weeks ago I tried to play like play basketball like I was in my 20s and I ruptured my Achilles was yeah (laughs) it's quite interesting I you should again you need we need to tell this story better you were mid dunking on someone (laughs) when your Achilles popped uh, and it, it wasn't until you came down, sprinted back on defense and blocked a shot that you even realized that there was a problem. Right. right. Yeah. That's, that's how the story is told. Your it's body can't even handle your athleticism. Your, your body cannot keep up. You have the soul of a saint. I think that's an accurate statement. I don't <laughs> think my body was ready for the athleticism that I exuded upon it. <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, yeah, Charles is uh, basically Kevin Durant in Rutgers Achilles. So, uh, same injury, same person, same yeah, same, same skill. I mean, prowess. Yep. <laughs> goodness. So, if you guys could pray for Charles in recovery, it'll be like three weeks from now when you hear this, but um, he'll still be recovering. So, if you could say a prayer yep. for for healing and grace to move around while wrangling two young and adorable children for for charles that would be wonderful listeners thank you in advance yes thank you in advance let's kick things off proper with our question of the week if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment you can email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com that's number three then guys at the well all one word and lowercase at gmail.com now this week's question is pretty pretty generic but it's coming off. we're coming off of a long weekend for Memorial Day. So it's really simple. How was your Memorial Day weekend? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all I got. How was your Memorial Day weekend? Honestly, I didn't have much of a long weekend. I worked yesterday. Oh, um, 
But I had an incredibly full and enjoyable weekend. Saturday morning, I had my one-on-one with Jeff. Um, and I haven't seen Jeff in person in more than a year now. So it's, it felt really good to actually sit with him. Uh, mutual friend, for those who don't know, mutual friend of the three of ours um, and mentor. Um, then after that, uh, hung out with Felix <laughs> and and a ton of other people. Uh at the, at to the, the zoo. Maryland Zoo. <laughs> and then Saturday evening, I got to hang out with the Merrills. And I got to just hang out with Jarrell's mom. It was wonderful. <laughs> I love Linda. She's great. She is a delight. She's going to hear this and be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, as you said, my mom uh, flew down. We haven't seen her since October. Uh, Sandy and I took trips to see our parents uh, last fall before COVID cases started spiking again. Um, so we haven't seen her since then. And she has, and this is the first time she's uh, seen our new place because we moved in March. Um, so it was really cool to just show her around just like like our actual house and then the neighborhood around it. Like we went on some walks because there are a lot of trails around our neighborhood. She has to meet our dog. Uh, my mom is not a dog person. So like getting... Um, as we were pulling up, I picked her up from the airport and I was like, so Arlo will jump on you when he first meets you as he loves people. Just tell him to stop uh, and just like give him a little shove if he keeps doing it. I'll yell at him, but you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, a bit of a, a pep talk there. But yeah, it was really good to, to have her and like living so far away, it's good to be able to share elements of our our daily life with and just kind of hang out. Um, so yeah, it was very good to see her. We also finally exchanged Christmas gifts because we never mailed <laughs> gifts from one another until she got here. Um, so yeah, at the, by the time this episode comes out, mom, if you're listening, I hope that you're enjoying the uh, electric photo, the picture frame we got, because I'm, I'm sure we set it up correctly and you are enjoying pictures of all of us at this very moment. If not, I will figure it out at some point. <laughs> I feel like sending messages over podcasts is like the least effective way to, <laughs> to send a message. We're talking, we're time travelers, as we've established. We are, t- we are breaking ground and talking <laughs> to our future selves. <laughs> yes. Um, well, in that case, I believe in two or three episodes ago, we congratulated my sister for getting married in the future. She is now married. We predicted the future. <laughs> so Maria and Corey, congratulations, congratulations for real Maria. slash already. I don't know. Time travel is confusing. It's hard. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. So I had a great weekend. I was able to go to Michigan for my sister's wedding on Friday. Um, see my family. I hadn't seen my dad and over and over my siblings and, a year and a half. Um, so that was really good. I had a lot of extended family in town. So um, it was just really good family time, you know, uh, them getting to meet and spend time with Josiah and Aaliyah. I had my uncle and his kids come. So Aaliyah's second cousin, no, first cousins once removed um, is how that works. Um, and they really enjoyed playing with her. So it was just a really, really good good weekend um and we got back on sunday and kind of took it easy on monday 
Yeah, praise God for that. Having a day to recover from travel is where it's at. Very good. Well, again, thank you for joining us, listeners. We are we have reached the season finale of Back to Basics, uh, our Bible study of First John. We've had a lot of fun with this. This is new. Charles is doing a little dance to now Eli is to commemorate the occasion. <laughs> Uh, when we start doing video recordings, you'll get all of this and more. Um, but this is this is a new thing for us. Uh, as I said, doing just an entire book is something we've never done before and have learned a lot through. And having that continuity from week to week, from recording to recording, has just been really cool for us. Uh, we hope that it's been cool for you as well and that in walking through these passages with us, you have grown in understanding of and just appreciation of the Lord's word in first John. So let's get to it. Uh, episode 38, our season finale of first John, we are covering first John chapter five verses 13 through 21. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. John closes this letter by stating its purpose to aid these disciples in their belief in a God who meets them in prayer and offers them eternal life. This simple yet profound mission statement perfectly encapsulates his vulnerable writing in this letter and models a heart for the, for the body of Christ that each of us would be wise to emulate. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, and a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Brothers, what can we learn from this last passage in the book of First John? So the, the middle of this, like 14 through 19, 14 through 20, are like super rich. So I'm actually going to go around the the perimeter um, to 13 and then 20 through 21. Uh, just, I write these things to you uh, who believe in the name. I Sorry, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then skipping all the way down, um, even just to 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols, amen. Um, there is just this, overwhelming sense of it. and we've gotten this the entire letter um but as he closes out it's like you know what the worth of jesus christ is you know what um the gift and the treasure that faith in him is 
Um, you believe in the name of the Son of God, um, and that yields eternal life. So do not cling to, and he ends it with, do, and it seems like, it may seem like random or arbitrary, but he ends with, do not, like, keep yourselves from idols. Don't fall for anything other than him. Like, as you said before, Jarrell, he's it. Like, Jesus is it. Um, don't veer to the left or to the right. Stay the course, basically. Um, and I think it wraps up the letter beautifully. Yeah, to the last verse, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. I um, I think it, it it's John clearly pointing to, as you said, Eli, Jesus is it. But also, I really, and this gets into my summary thoughts for the letter, but it really um, gets at like there are things that are not of Christ and, and to keep yourselves for them. And it gets to that. This is a letter to us today, Christians today. This is not just a letter to a particular uh, a set of Christians who were facing a particular set of threats or, um, or a particular set of lies, right? Like this is actually for us because there are idols that are clear in the world and there are idols that are not so clear in the world. Uh, and John is saying, like, stray away. Um, be reminded of Christ. And I, and I think that it's an, a, pick, a kind of like a statement close, because the entire letter is talking about the humanity and the divinity of Christ and to emulate the humanity and to try to emulate the divinity and uh, the kind of like one of his recurring themes here was that if we're trying to emulate the humanity, then you must love God and love neighbor. We've talked about that a lot. Um, and you can't do that if there's something else on the heart on the throne of your heart. Right? You can't do that if uh, career is on the throne of your heart. You can't do that if selfishness is, if, if all you care about is you. You can't do that if your comfort is what you're concerned about. You can't do that if you're not concerned about anything, if you're apathetic. You know, there is, I was thinking about what are these idols? Um, I think we know the clear ones, but it's, it's the subtle ones that can get us. And I think John really ends this, and we're kind of starting backwards, but it really ends this well. Um, let's, let's not have idols be on the throne of our heart, but let's have Jesus be on the throne of our heart and emulate him. Um, and as the, the rest letter talks about, um, emulating him is emulating, emulating love and being love and not just in word and deed, but in thought and action and speech. Very well said. Very, very well said. I love that. Yeah. yeah, the notion of you can't really do the other things that John like compels the disciples to, of the readers of this letter to do if you're given over to idols. Um, and not just in like the carved images or whatever, like you said, like uh, comfort, apathy, uh, career, whatever it is, this idea that like he ends with this, keep that part of yourself open for like who it's actually reserved for so that you can live those things. That's really, really poignant, Charles. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I got, even as I was just reading this, I got vibes of, 
I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. Uh, shout out again to my mom because I'm going to bring her up again. But when I was like, I uh, like 13 and started just being out of the house more. Like I took the city bus in Detroit, like everywhere when I had to get places when my mom was at work. So I would take it to the other side of the city to like, in high school, I had to visit a friend. I would like go to basketball practice sometimes and like just be out a lot. And so my mom obviously started had to that started having to think about me and uh, worry about me in a different kind of way because I wasn't just at home or at school. There were like huge hours of the day where I was just kind of on my own um, and had to be responsible with that time and aware of my surroundings to stay safe. And so it was around this time I would get a lot of like pep talks about stuff and just kind of like as I'm leaving uh, or, or if my mom knew I was going to be like traveling some distance, just a lot of like, okay, don't forget about this. And remember this and oh, really quickly, remember to do this or not to do this and to keep your head up and look around. So I, I would get a lot of pep talks um, sometimes right before I had to leave for school that day and or whenever. And like this gave me flashbacks, I guess, to that. Because John, he does this for the entire book, but he jumps around quite a bit and is like, okay, we're talking about this. This is really important. And like, but like you said, Eli, very rich. We can spend a lot of time talking about just this. Okay, but now we're going to jump to this other thing. And now we're going to jump to that. Like, especially with this is like the closing passage in this letter that he's written. Um, I got a lot of vibes of just concerned parents wanting to make sure they hit everything as well as they possibly can uh, for their kids to be in the best place possible to be safe going forward. Um, and so I think there's something about that that like I can, as an adult now, again, as, as a 28-year-old man, Eli, we are getting old, I can look back on that part of my life and recognize that from my mom, that came from a place of just incredible love for me um, and concern and wanting to do right by me and as much as was in her power as she saw me going out into a world that was unpredictable and a little less controlled than what it had been. Um, and I see that same love in John as he addresses the readers as little children. And as he just kind of goes through this list of like, you know, knowing that they are in their own sense going into a world that is full of, as he's mentioned in this, this passage, false prophets. Uh, and as he mentions at the end, idols and people living in a way that claims Christ, but doesn't actually reflect that they know him. Like John is so aware as a parent would be of the dangers of the world that these disciples are in and are being sent into. And out of um, a great love for him, he's just kind of like, okay, and this and that, and don't forget this. And I don't know, I just resonate strongly with that. Uh, and just thinking it, of it from that perspective of like what that must have been like from my mom uh, raising like a 13 year old in Detroit, uh, what it must be like from a place of parental responsibility as John kind of had here uh, in concern for people. And I think, I don't know, I, there's something there that speaks well to the love that we should have for the body of Christ. Uh, especially if you're in, we're in positions of spiritual leadership, like we talked about in the Who the She Bears Eight season, um, that again comes makes John's writing come across as very vulnerable and as someone who is deeply committed to the body, um, in ways that yet yeah, were commendable. I, I just think that's really cool. Nice. I love that. I love that that 
your mom or that John reminded you of your mom. I love the fact yeah, that it's really cool. That, it is that there's that parentage there. Um, so jumping around <laughs> and bouncing like off of that point, just like John, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be on his brand today. It's what um, he would have wanted. It's exactly that and a race. <laughs> <laughs> with Peter, with Peter specifically. <laughs> um, there's this verse in, or verses 16 and 17, there's this phrasing that is um, a sin that does not lead to death. And that tripped me up for a moment. I was like, wait a minute. Romans 6.23, Paul was clear. The wages of sin is death, so all things earn, like all sin earns death. What are you talking about, John? You're starting to confuse me a little bit. So I had to think. Um, <laughs> and so we, like, we've, all, we've all read that. Um, and if we depend on, uh, I think, on Romans 6.23 by itself, uh, we might end up thinking that there's a contradiction between these two writers. And um, so I sat back and I thought, um, like, I've committed sins, but I'm not going to die for them because Jesus died in my place. And so uh, what's the link between my sin and Jesus's atoning sacrifice? And the link is having the faith to repent, uh, having the faith to turn away from the habits, patterns, relationships, and things uh, these idols <laughs> um, that, as Paul and in a lot of ways John has written, earned death. Um, for example, I went through a couple of verses. Luke 5.32, uh, Luke wrote that Jesus himself said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Uh, the three of us discussed earlier in this season, 1 John first uh, 9, uh, 1, 9, uh, John wrote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, Acts 3.19, uh, it's noted that Peter preached, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that uh, times of refre uh, refreshing may come from the Lord. And in my one of my favorite verses from scripture, 2 Peter 3.9, Peter wrote, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Uh, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? Repentance. Um, and so throughout scripture, far more than just what I've read, uh, the sin that does not lead to death is the sin that we repent from, uh, the sin that we turn away from so that we can turn toward Christ. For that to be in the closing of it, for him to sandwich that message of uh, this this allusion to uh, keep repenting. It's sandwiched between uh, 13, which is I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, uh, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so then he speaks about, uh, he alludes to repentance. And then he ends with don't, or like don't mingle with, keep yourselves from idols. And um, I think the way in which we maintain the verse 13 mindset of staying with the Son of God is by making sure we have a mindset of repentance that would keep us from uh, turning to these idols that would rob us of the faith that binds us to Christ. 
Very well said. Pat Jinx. Praise God. <laughs> I personally really like uh, verses 18 through 20. And so subsequent verses after what you just eloquently uh, went through there, Eli. Um, I wrote in my notes <laughs> that this um, verses 18 through 20 are a synopsis of, of the themes of this of this book or of this letter. Um, and I, I really think it's very poetic and beautiful the way it's written. Um, I think, you know, going through it, we know that those who are born of God do not sin. I actually think that could be translated or we could interpret that very similar to what you do. Because that could be trippy, like, wait, they do not sin. I sin all the time. And I'm born of God. Um, but it's that repentance. Um, it's not living in a perpetual state of unrepented sin. Um, and then it continues, but the one who is born of God protects them and the evil one does not touch them. How beautiful. The evil one does not uh, touch them because we are protected. Um, and then we know that we are God's children. What, you know, I, to me, I see the parent in there. Like, you know, it's one of those, those literary tools or like, you may not know this, you may not, but I'm going to use we know to, to like let you know that we should know, even though you might know. Um, <laughs> so I think it's very clever. You know, we know that we're God's children, in case you didn't know, you're God's children. Um, and he follows that up with a very like kind of like eye-opening statement, and the world lies under the power of the evil one. So it's a jarring, you're God's children. But everything else belongs to the evil ones. So it's kind of jarring. But then he brings it back. But we know. Hey, in case you didn't know, now we know that the Son of God has come and given understanding so that we know who is true. And it's, again, I think he's combating. That's why I think it's a synopsis of themes. He's combating the lies that this particular uh, set of Christians that he's writing to have been lambasted with about how Christ is not truly human or truly divine. No, but we know who, what is true. Um, and we are in him because we're children of God, of his true. And he's true God and, he, and eternal life comes from him. I just, I love those two verses. I think it really sums up the whole letter pretty well. Amen. There's a, there's such a feel of John reassuring the readers of this letter it's like we know what is true and kind of reminding them of that um like eli said calling them to repentance is a way of saying like yeah they, the grace of god is to be able to repent and turn from sin um and yeah on a similar uh note charles i guess to close this where we get closing thoughts in the on the season uh the opening of this also kind of gives a thesis that ties into the things that you you guys listed as well. Like these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So John, like, is at the beginning of this passage saying, like, I all of this I've written so that you, like Charles said, may we know him, that you may know that you are within in the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, and I love the reassurance of that um, because it speaks to, I think just 
fears especially like i i think of going back in time now again to like 13 14 year old me uh who was very uh insecure uh in, in i was very insecure in my faith in regard to how i saw myself before god because like charles said i knew i was sinful i knew there was a lot of brokenness in my life in ways that like despite my best efforts i didn't walk uh as closely with God as I could have. And so there was always this kind of fear of like, am I like, what is actually my standing before God? Uh, and before I had a much fuller idea of repentance as well. And so for me, like if I were, if I were to put myself in the shoes of the people receiving this letter from John and it's really like these things I've written to you to believe in the name of Son of God, that you believe in the name of Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. Like that's something that like teenage me needed to hear like the confidence that eternal life is in Christ. And that is something that I had because that's something that I doubted a lot. Uh, and something that I was very just kind of like, well, I don't know uh, because I'm only just now starting to really take my faith more seriously. And because of that, I'm also just now starting to realize how broken of a person I am. Um, and so I, yeah, I just see such care. And then like after that, John saying that you may continue to believe uh, there's such care and intention in the way that John writes this of getting to the point and saying like, this is why I'm writing this. Like, please don't miss this. This is my thesis for this whole thing. Um, but also reassuring uh, that like you are, you believe in the name of the son of God. I want you to know that you have eternal life. And out of that knowledge, keep yourself from idols out of that knowledge, repent, uh, so that you don't give into sin that leads to death. Out of that knowledge, abide in who you know Christ to be. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's, there's a very nurturing element to this of John does not want um, his, the readers of this to come away and not assured that God loves them, even if they walk away recognizing, well, there's some work that needs to be done. And I, and I, I love that. I think that intention is just very winning and um, speaks to the assurance that God wants us all to have that even when he's calling us on our crap, uh, it's out of the knowledge of like, I've won eternal life for you and I want you to walk in it. Um, and there, there's a lot of power in that, I think, for, for the body of Christ. So let's transition uh, from the end of First John into just our closing thoughts for the series. So we've been at this for nine episodes i think let's just go with nine um and yeah there's a lot here we we've talked a lot about john's writings being very consistent from the gospel of john to this we've hit on as john does jumped around to a lot of different very deep theological points and tried to make them as uh, accessible and as relatable as we can so the floor is is open gentlemen what are your closing thoughts thoughts on the epistle of first john i think for me my closing thought is just my, I think I've said it a couple times, my impression of how relatable and applicable the letter is to Christianity today, um, which if you can't, we cast a broader net, a, a broader net applies to scripture in whole. I actually have been recently thinking about how, how this very old document historical document is so applicable um and it was written two millennia ago and i think i see that very clearly in this letter um two main themes playing out he's speaking against false prophets false prophets 
in a very particular way that we're speaking against the Lord. Um, but it's a warning to us. And how many false prophets are we encountering uh, on a daily basis in our lives, in a, in a media saturated culture? How often are we uh, just overcome with false prophets? Maybe it's about Christianity. Maybe it's about truth. Maybe it's about our, you know, self-identity, self-image, things of that nature. The evil one, <laughs> clearly the the best false prophet out there. Um, uh, and so, it's so applicable. And we, we and that's why I love what we do. We're digging into this so that we can apply it because we need to. As surrounding us he says it right right in here the whole world lies under the power of the evil one the whole world lies under the power of a false prophet so we need to know what god is revealing to us in this word and john lays it very clearly out which is my second kind of synopsis which is his point like to love god and love neighbor if god was truly human truly divine then he said the two greatest commandments are to love god and love your neighbor and we need to do that and we need to do that um, as laid out in totality, not just in thought or word. Um, and again, how much do we need that? How much would our world be better if people actually, in totality, loved God and loved their neighbor? Not just saying it, but doing it. Not just throwing money at a cause but they themselves expending themselves as Christ did for the sake of the other. Um, our world would be a much better place. And I think John saw that and wrote to his beloved children as he writes. Uh, and he's writing to us, the beloved children of God, and encouraging us and challenging us uh, to emulate Christ, who loved his father unconditionally, but even more so who loved us unconditionally and not just by saying things, which he did and we need to pay attention to, but by doing a lot in three years of public ministry and ending it with uh, the most sacrificial way of, of taking our debt and uh, nailing it to the cross and saying, you've been redeemed, you've been reconciled. And that's the love we're supposed to emulate a selflessness, a dying to oneself for the sake of the other, not because they deserve it, not because um, of anything they've done, but because they're God's children, they're his kids, and they're our brother and our sister. So those are my summation thoughts. Hey, man, you better preach, Charles. <laughs> better, better put you in a pulpit. <laughs> um, so... I have two points, and uh, the first one echoes what both of you said. Jarrell, you mentioned uh, John's care and intention in this letter. Charles, you mentioned uh, the notion of us spending ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this letter the, is so much of John's effort in loving his brothers and sisters. Um, and the question that is on my mind for myself, for the two of you to ask yourselves and for any listeners to ask themselves, who is God asking you uh, to spend yourself for? Who is God asking you to keep? Who is God asking you to take care of? And the second part um, goes off of 
the point I was making earlier about repentance. Um, Jesus is worthy of our repentance, listener of your repentance. Um, and so if you're or someone you know is living a life with no regard and no love for Jesus Christ, um, then I say it's time to change course. Repent. Uh, and repentance is a real, loving, and transformative invitation to uh, turn toward the Son of God, who was sent from heaven to die the death that we deserve for selfishness, wickedness, and sin. Uh, and the invitation to repent is not simply offered to uh, save yourself after you die. Um, accepting the invitation to repent enables us to live the life or to live life the way God designed us to actually live life and exist on this planet. And so there is love, joy, uh, and peace in a life led by Christ. There are brothers and sisters, as Charles was saying, new family, uh, people you would have otherwise overlooked and avoided, uh, who will love you and uh, be loved by you in a life led by Christ. Um, there will certainly be times of doubt and inconvenience and trouble and persecution, uh, but you will also gain an enduring hope that is anchored in far more than just how good your circumstances are in a given moment. Uh, in a life led by Christ, you will know the one true God. Um, you just have to turn toward him. And so my closing thought is repent. Amen. Um, I think the tail end of what you said, Eli, of like knowing uh, the one true God and turning towards him gets into uh, my closing thought, which in a word is abide. Uh, it's something that John brought up in this book, something he brings up a lot in the gospel. Like the gospel of John chapter 15, 15 is j basically just that. Uh, is God talking, John talking about abiding in God and what that means. Um, <clears throat> the idea of abiding, of uh, being close to and finding rest in, um, in like, intimately knowing uh, Jesus is something that really struck me throughout this book because John is able to speak with such boldness and authority on these issues, not because he's um, like first Corinthians 13 says, love is not puffed up. Like it's not something that's believes in its own and is like puffed up with knowledge. Like John doesn't say these things about Jesus. He doesn't lay down these commandments to love your neighbor as yourself and to love because he first loved us and to, and to repent and to keep yourself from idols because he's on a power trip. Uh, like John says this and has the authority to do so because he's speaking as someone who knew and knows Jesus. Um, he's saying these things with the authority of someone who knows what Jesus's heart on this matter is because of his closeness with him uh, during his life and uh, even after his death. And I think we kind of opened this season with a discussion on that of like John speaks as someone who knew who Jesus was and is kind of out of that saying, this is how he'd want you to live. Or, or even specifically when he talks about false prophets is like, well, that's not true because I know who Jesus is and I know he wouldn't be about that. Um, 
And so I think the the challenge and really the invitation to us is to abide so that we, in keeping ourselves from idols we talked about today, um, in repenting, can do so with the confidence that is aligned with Jesus's heart, that in our day to day, when we encounter temptations for sin or to see members of the body of Christ is less than they are, will call to mind who Jesus is and we'll be able to like hold our inclinations up against how we know that he sees people, how we know that he wants us to live and be able to, as John came to conclude over and over again, this is like, this is not what Jesus would have me do, or this is what, what Jesus would have me do. Um, with the closeness that we have that with like our friends, right? Like there are things that like, if someone said, told me something about like the two of you and I, I could probably say like, I don't think that, I don't think that that's something that they would say. Like, I, I don't think that Charles thinks golf is boring. Like you must not know Charles. Um, I don't think Eli doesn't care, isn't a big fan of brie cheese. You must not know Eli. Um, and so there's like this, underst- <laughs> this understanding that like, with the ease with which I can say those things with confidence, because I know you two, God gives us the tools to fight back idols and temptations and tools of the devil by saying, that doesn't sound like the God that I know. And that doesn't sound like what he has for me. And I want to walk in the grace that he does have for me. Um, And so, yeah, for anyone, for those listening, my closing word or thought is just to abide. The same Jesus that John spoke about um, as if he knew him, the same Moses that ta- that prayed to God the way that a, f- a man talks to his friend uh, is the closeness and the nearness and the vulnerability with God that you can have as well. Um, so abide in him, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time thinking uh, about him in the same way that you think about a friend um, and prepare- be prepared to be blown away in the way that he changes your heart to yeah, actually know him. So yeah, thanks for joining us for this study. So a little bit of admin um, before we get out of here. So the three guys at the well are going to go on a brief hiatus uh, for summer. Uh, Again, future us, hello. Uh, Future listener, hello. You are likely listening to this maybe the week of June 21st. Um, And so we're going to take a little break um, and we'll be gone for the last week of June and all of July. Uh, but we will be back early to mid-August. We haven't figured that out yet with a season that I'm not going to tell you much about yet other than that we are very, very, very excited. Uh, Eli is losing his mind. Uh, (laughs) Very excited uh, to do. It's something that's been in the works pretty soon after we started this podcast. Uh, It is very different from anything that we have ever done. And part of why we're taking this hiatus in the summer is not just because we need a bit of a break and schedules are are not as allowing for as much recording, but because it's going to take us a while to plan it um, and to do it as well as we want to. Um, so more on that later, I'm just going to leave that out there as a teaser for you, but uh, yeah, we're very excited for this next season. It's going to be all of our, all of our work here is a labor of love, but this in a very particular way that we can't wait to share with you all um, come August. So I, more from us then. In the meantime, uh, there will be 
probably if you have a couple ideas of one-off episodes to throw out there so you don't forget the sound of our voices um, and just some exciting things on our social media as well. So keep in touch. Uh, we will be back shortly with, yeah, something big. That is all for this week. That is all for this season. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. Uh, we'll start uploading episodes on Monday again in a month and a half, uh, but you can check us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and are missing us in the sum- this summer month, you can and want to help this podcast grow, you can head over to our Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting bonus contents um, like our hope series, our hopefully at this point fully recorded justice series and <laughs> lots of sound checks. Um, and yeah, a lot of other stuff that we are excited for and Jesus in the movies. What am I, what am I doing? We got to record that one soon too. Um, a lot of good stuff happened there. If you miss the sound of our voices, head on over to Patreon and there's a lot more of it. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, and we'll talk to you soon here at the web. Well.